So Lawson, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, I've kind of picked up on some of your patterns and personality. I was wondering if Emma ever gets like stressed out about your like organizational skills when it comes to like trips and planning because you kind of just go with it as it comes and don't really have much planning ahead. You just kind of show up. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a question for Emma, but I could answer on half. Uh, <laughs> I would say that uh, I think that. Not plugged in. It's like halfway plugged in. That was weird. <laughs> he's just that. He's that nervous for his interview. When he didn't that plug Mike, his mic huh? in. When did that mic ever do that? You're nervous. He's so um, nervous. Let's answer that question though. Uh, I don't think she uh, really gets nervous about it um i'm not planning to be uh late or any of that that's she, good she just uh she just does a lot of the planning so i don't have to be too worried about exactly when i show up and stuff because it's all going to be done i like it sweet it's a weird quite it's a i don't even know how to answer that very well to be honest that's all right you're just cool as a cucumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just not worried about it. That's about it. <laughs> well, welcome back to the fan club, everyone. We are here today interviewing our fearless leader, Mr. Lawson McDonald. You bet. And we're actually here at 8 a.m. puck drop because uh, he's flying to Europe today. And we had to yeah. squeeze his interview in before he gets on that plane and leaves us for another two weeks. So Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be an eventful day. And... We had to do this because I have to take the podcast camera with me. Ah. Because yeah. uh, you, you do. You do. Yeah, I have to take pics on, on the honeymoon, of course. So I have to take the camera because, uh, well, we have to do the interview because I have to take the camera and you guys would be stuck with no uh, no interviews to do. So after mine, we should be all good to go for the next couple of weeks of uh, banked up episodes. Yeah, Cuddy's going to have uh, some... A lot of work to do when he gets back. But uh, another thing about cameras, are you bringing the film camera? Yeah, I'll have my film camera. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's Good. loaded up, ready to go? It's not loaded up, but it's ready to go. Fair. Yeah. Well, Cuddy will be right fed. That's what we were saying. He'll <laughs> be fed with uh, content to edit. Where are you going on your honeymoon? Um, We're going to the south of France, so Europe. Oui, oui. We're going to be landing in Nice in telling Yelly that I've never gone on a plane taking off in Montreal at 10 p.m. and landing in Nice at 10 a.m., which is going to be really oh, weird. Oh, you don't leave North America till 10 p.m. tonight? tonight. Wow. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So you fly there to Montreal, hang out at the airport for a few hours? Yeah, I think so. Nice. We'll see what happens. <laughs> no clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 12 <laughs> hours. When me, and, when me and Lawson were in L.A., like we had to drive on the tarmac to get to our gate we're uh staring at all the giant planes we're lawson got to see his first double decker plane yeah and uh yeah i'm sure he'll be on one of those massive ones too yeah Yeah, what are you flying i have no idea actually no (laughs) like i literally have no idea what what we're even flying i do know that this was like a surprise from uh and you kind of i don't think you have to do it but you it's the time to do it when you go on a 10-hour flight. Yeah. So we're first class. You're going to get some go. good meals. I have no idea what that means. I don't know if it means a bet or not. I think but so. They have those, some, a lot of leg room. If you're doing a, if it's a big eye, plane, it, especially red-eye through the night, I would say you're on a 
bed. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to give us You'll a, get, uh, uh, some a bubbly, bubbly when you sit down. Yeah, I'll give the, the plane, like, the seat tour. That's what I mean. I don't know, like, what that will look like yet. Give it a full tour. Yeah, make a video. Just a good surprise. I will. Yeah, I will definitely send some video of what that'll look, what that'll be like. Be cool. Yeah, Lawson was fired up this morning. I'm excited for that. Because he said that he's excited to work all 12 hours he's on that plane. (laughs) I actually was thinking about that because I don't know if I've said this before, but planes are, it's really easy to work on a plane because you can't go on your phone. Like there's no distractions. So it's kind of uh, a good time to get so many things done. But the bad thing is it's through the night, so I don't know if I'll pull an all-nighter or not, but there'll be a lot to – there'll be just a lot of time to do little things like editing, little tasks, like organizing my drives. It's funny that you say that because I was going to bring up how hard this guy battles the flight attendants on planes Mm -hmm. when um, every time they walk by, either when it's like taking off or like going on the descent that, oh, you have to put your – bag under no <laughs> laptops out and then he goes like the <laughs> when they're uh walking by he acts like he's like closing it down and going underneath <laughs> and as soon as they walk by he like goes and brings it back up and goes on it for a little bit longer like, wait two more minutes come. two more minutes and yeah. yeah he just goes back and forth i always found that was funny so he's, now you have yeah. a little bit more time yeah i always do that they uh um i just know i know the hacks to get around them so that they don't get mad at you but that you can you know have your tray down for as long as you want your laptop out <laughs> As long as you want. You're a flight attendant's worst nightmare. I never, ever put my seatbelt on on a plane. Come like, on. Never. <laughs> never. That's the one rule. That legit one rule. They yeah, say. but they can't see it because when they come by and if you bend over, then you're like stomach kind of goes <laughs> over the belt. So they like can't. That. They're not going to wait for you to sit back up, but they just like quick check and walk by being like they assume that. It's on that I'm just bent over and they can't see the strap. You should tattle on him next time. You're a mess. I, make a, uh, I could easily make a really good, like, hack, uh, plain hack video like that. We'll do it on your 10-hour flight. A, yeah. A, a C2 yeah. or a flight hack. And it's not even a hack for anything. It's just a hack if you don't like to wear the seatbelt, I guess. <laughs> Jeez, you're the seatbelt is like nothing. I know. It is, <laughs> it is nothing. It's really You only really need it for landing. You don't bounce mm-hmm. and hit your head. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's nothing, but I have heard stories of turbulence yeah, I, I where guess. people actually like fly out of their seat. Oh yeah. So that's my worst nightmare. I'm accepting that if that ever happens, I'll be the one that hits my head on the top of the. <laughs> they will plane. laugh after this that podcast would, episode. Yeah, that would be funny. Come then they really to yell at you. They wouldn't even help you out. Yeah. No. Dude, so did you pack a? Uh, just to carry on or are you checking a bag for yourself uh, i know ml will definitely check her own no bag. we're actually both not checking bags what yeah. wow well the i guess you have to lug it around you got to lug it around there's a lot of lugging your bags around so lugging the luggage we have a uh <laughs> the the thing is that we have um like a normal carry-on suitcase and then we have um a backpack that's made for traveling like you should see this thing it's huge really it has like, like a, a hiking huge, one yeah like that hiking one and it's got the buckles and everything and nice. you, it's pretty much a full carry-on suitcase on your back and then in your hand you so, wear one on your back and one on your front i only have well the other one's up like you know you pull it so i couldn't do that but i would if i had two st- backpack straps <laughs> are you gonna look like a ultra tourist do you think yeah probably oh, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna have the 
Lululemon cross strap with the film camera over his neck. Maybe a visor. <laughs> a map. A map. <laughs> a map. Well, I'm going to not... I'm going to have to shop there probably because my wardrobe for this trip is just horrible. It's like what I'm wearing now. And really? You don't go up for dinner like this in Europe. No. So I'll look a little silly. Don't really have uh, like a nice button up. Like I'm thinking like, you know, white buttons down the middle, nice pair of shorts, like you're oh, on yeah. vacation. Let but flow every white. pair of shorts that I have is Vitality. Um hockey guys and the shirts are like you know dunkin donuts and <laughs> and the stuff that i get sent here and yeah. i don't know what the rules are in europe but uh this is the last week to wear white in america if you're a, a fashion expert white oh really pants. Mm-hmm. why because there's seasons to wear, change yep, memorial day to labor that. day i did not know that i've never owned a pair of white pants so <laughs> no me i don't either. know why dirty too <laughs> never would ever probably wear white pants uh, who would have thought that it would take you to fly all the way to europe to upgrade your wardrobe and i still didn't do it make sure you tell everyone that you're canadian not american yeah the euros do like the canadians they do like them more mm-hmm. and americans yeah they'll probably judge you if you say you're american make sure you're uh you got your hands in your pockets there's a lot of pickpocketers out uh, there. Yeah. Phone has phone and wallet has to be in the front yeah, pockets. Yeah, make sure you're always always aware. Yeah, watch out for little kids running by you. Those are the ones that get you. They're, though they have the they have the hacks like the um the strategies to make you think that they're trying to like kick me the soccer ball and then you uh, do that. Oh yeah, then, right. And then like you think you're doing it, and then when you go to pick it up, they're like. Someone's uncle is there in your back pocket <laughs> taking your phone exactly. out. Come on, the uncle. It's always exactly. the uncle. If you see a soccer ball, just kick it as hard as and far as you can. Yeah, that yeah, is actually kick funny. it right in his head. <laughs> it's a strategy. Hey, I'm actually I'm curious. Here's I'm gonna ball. be so aware that I'm. It's gonna be uh, kind of fun to see if anyone can actually get me. But I'm gonna be so aware of like thinking about you sh- is oh, this a sh- hack is this a trick you should have kept trick? the dummy phone yeah oh, yeah that would have oh, been funny, been been funny. just to see if he could get it pickpocketed just have it like hanging out yeah <laughs> just a busted up dummy and phone. they'd be so pissed yeah. <laughs> so how much content do you plan on doing over there between you and emma um you plan on filming a lot yeah i think i'll film every day just like iphone stuff maybe like vlogs and yeah whatnot. i think i'll document every day and then whether I want to just save it for a, you know, a week recap or a clip, like a clip uh, video thing, or maybe it's a daily thing. I don't really know, but I think we'll. I think everything every day will be so interesting that I'll mm-hmm. just want to film and yeah. get it on my phone. Be good content. Yeah. Well, Lawson, uh, everyone kind of knows the last couple of years of your life, I would say. Those listening, you've been pretty open with your life and showcasing everything. But let's go way back. Back to when you were a bleach blonde haired kid in Winkler, Manitoba. Yeah. Give us the spiel. Uh, Quick off the bat would be that um, I'm from Manitoba, Canada. Uh, Small, small town just outside of Winkler. Uh, So I never lived in a city. I'm always... uh, I've always lived on a farm at my parents' house. So never had in a, like the town life, never really had neighbors, been always like driving dirt bikes, um, you know, outside on the yard, 
doing sports, very country-like. Because, like, the school I even went to in elementary, we had about 20 kids in my class. Throughout throughout K to grade 8, there was three girls and, like, 18 uh, guys. Usually, Mm. that's how I grew up. So, every single recess, every time, everything, it only was playing soccer, playing sports, playing whatever. So, I think that kind of really kicked off for me, like, my... I don't know, some competitiveness. I'm just used to like playing with guys a lot, um, getting into every single sport because everybody, that's all there was to do uh, in a smaller school. And uh, um, to, yeah, and there was just not as much just to do regardless. There was, you golfed and you had a lot of free time on your hands. So I played instruments, like I played guitar, I took piano lessons something that my parents, I guess, just wanted me to start doing right from an early age. And uh, that kind of was my my early, early childhood. Um, I have one sister. um, And yeah, I think that kind of took me to um, where I started playing hockey was then just through through my dad, really, kind of like you guys were. I think he just, uh, he was uh, played in Winkler for the Flyers too. Don't know if you guys knew that or not, but he was uh, he was a Winkler Flyer himself, and that's where he met my mom. I think he uh, I think she actually got hit in the stands with a puck <laughs> at one of the games that he was playing at. Oh my! That classic story. I don't think it was him that hit her, but I think he got she got hit in the stands in the head. No, and then oh, wow. he uh, was at the hospital like with her after. I think it was when they first maybe started seeing each other. Hmm. Dang. And another funny story to that is when. Uh, when her like my grandma and grandpa her parents came to watch his game for the first time he got in a fight and got that was like his first impression <laughs> just got got in a hockey fight true love story uh, yeah true love story that's yeah that is really what kicked off my hockey is ever since i was a kid just being on the ice because he'd take me skating and uh taught me everything growing up um and for me, there was really nothing crazy of a hockey journey. It was really, really simple, just playing in the hometown double-A teams, triple-A teams. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of like the, the really early years of myself. Yeah, you did something kind of rare, which you stayed in Winkler for junior hockey. You're the hometown kid. Um, what was that experience like? I know you started pretty early playing for the flyers and you left a year early but uh i know when we were around or when i was playing there too that you were definitely a fan favorite just because hometown boy one of the better players and yeah people definitely like that uh i think i was also a fan favorite because my dad was a fan favorite too (laughs) so there was the second generation of that like those older flyers fans knew who my dad was or they watched him so they're a little maybe more excited to see like the sun come in and and play as well um but I, I think the funny story to why i even played in winkler in the first place is that i never wanted to move away from home or that idea like really scared me mm-hmm. i uh in like bantam years and when i was 13 or 14 i didn't even like going for sleepovers like when i was younger and i <laughs> i went to a sleepover at like cole's house uh probably when we were 10, 11, 12, 13, like the age where you start to do sleepovers and it's Mm. normal. 
I'd stay up all night and I'd like call my mom at like three in the morning and say I had to go home and like pick, she had to like come pick me up because I just couldn't grasp the idea. Like I couldn't fall asleep. And then Mm -hmm. it was like the scariest thing. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to pull an all nighter now. (laughs) Like I can't go to bed. Yeah. Uh, So that was kind of just, I I don't know. I just had trouble thinking of like leaving and moving away from home. I Mm -hmm. couldn't do what Frizz did. That's for sure. That, that young. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I definitely had those like sleepover moments like mm-hmm. growing up where yeah, me too. you're just sitting in there, sitting in the dark and your friend's already asleep and you just kind of just sit there and have no idea what to do. And then you, yeah, you get panic mode sometimes, but yeah, no, I don't know. I, my first, my first thing of it was in Mitchell AAA when we did those road trips for hockey. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing that for the first time because in Bantam you're with your parents and then Midget AAA you go on the road and you're on your own. And I was actually like not looking forward to those trips because <laughs> that was the first time where I had to get used to, okay, I'm like playing a hockey game this weekend. I'm alone. I have a roommate and some of the guys, it's just not as easy cause they're not like your friend friend, but they're your teammate and it's all, they're older than you. So that was a little bit different for me. I was more of a baby maybe and that's in that sense you had a little bit of a different upbringing as well because i don't know how many people know this because you don't talk about it that much but uh you grew up on a pretty massive farm and it's in your blood Mm -hmm. but you don't really like farming no yeah well it's a good point it's a good point we uh my family my entire family farms but i think the reason i don't like farming is because uh I just haven't got the taste to the things that I probably would like. I always had to sit on the tractor and maybe like wash things. And that is what I don't like. I don't, I feel like I'm wasting time just sitting there. I actually, when I was younger and I used to have to do some things like um, go through a field, I would just bring my iPad and I'd watch YouTube the entire time. I remember I'd pre-downloaded um like 10 different episodes of gregory o'gallagher's like youtube like fitness videos so i was like how can i sit on this tractor and still learn something or do something so i just watch like these like fitness youtube videos or something like that so that's kind of what (laughs) that's kind of how i did it um but i think my parents have always been supportive of just accepting that it's uh not something I necessarily have to do. It's always there to, if I want to come back to it and maybe one day I I would enjoy doing it, but I think I would always to this day, not I'm too maybe creative or I, I want to do too many different things to just accept sitting on a tractor Mm -hmm. or doing the simple, um, stuff that doesn't require as much like creativeness to it. Um, with it. Do you remember, the age or the time when you came that realization that you wanted to pursue other things? Were you still around the high school age or even younger than that? Yeah, probably was uh, when I was trying to go and play college hockey, I think, because that's when I had to choose, like, what are you taking in school and stuff? And uh, I, I just felt like I was way more interested in fitness and stuff from playing hockey and doing and doing all that where I 
was more like it was way more enjoyable for me to do that so i think the when i went and picked my major which i did kinesiology in college is when i knew that i'd rather do that than end up on the farm um so that's like the path that i chose to pick and at the end of the day if i that all went bad and i figured something else out and had to go to the farm whatever it's like it's the way it is but it's definitely not my passion right now until and unless i would do it and maybe i'd figure out that hey i like this a lot more than i thought Mm -hmm. different parts of it but yeah at the moment it was like something that drove me to do other things because i always wanted to do like gym and fitness and all that going into college um what was the hockey process like um being from small town winkler um, obviously, you guys had some pretty good AAA teams, I believe, from what you've shared. Um, but, like, was it ever crossing your mind that at a certain level, like, hey, maybe I need to move on somewhere. Maybe I need to move to the States and try hockey. Um, I'm sure you could have played in a junior league in the U.S. You chose to stay in Winkler. As you said, you're kind of a, a homebody, or at least you were. Um, so were there any other options or ideas that you wanted to go try out yeah the first the first one that almost pulled me out of manitoba was when uh um it was after midget triple a no it was before midget triple a and so how uh, old is that oh, i would be how old would that be like 15 or 16 14 14 15 yeah it was uh it's like eighth ninth grade yeah me and my teammate from pemna valley colt conrad got talked to by um shattuck st mary's in it's close here but yeah right by here so we went on a tour there together and he was like down to play he <laughs> wanted to, like right and then i d- went there and you know you still have to make like the certain team and if you mm-hmm. don't make the the prep team then you're kind of playing on the bad team mm-hmm. and also it was kind of like ah like I knew that I did not want to leave home that badly either. Mm-hmm. And it actually scared me so much thinking of that. Wow. I would have to move to Minneapolis area and Shattuck right <laughs> now and go to fair Yeah. And go to prep South. school when I'm 15. Uh, I thought about it for a while. Even my dad kind of was on the side of just, Hey, you can play junior hockey still. If you, you know, if you had a spot in Winkler and you're playing in Winkler, like that's just as good. I think the main concern was what's going to allow me to, you know, play Division One or go to college the most. And after talking to some people, figured that playing in Winkler was just as good. But yeah, I remember touring Shattuck and it was like nice to be there. Everything was good. But at the same time, it was scary to think that that would maybe be my like routine, would be mm, going yeah. to school there. My brother went there and he, uh, yeah, he definitely had fun, and there was, like, a lot of cool things about it, but you're also kind of, like, isolated, too. I did not know your brother went there. Yeah, he went there grade 11. Okay. And because uh, it is just a small town. Like, there's nothing really around yeah. it. and so Pretty sure there's tons of rules at those prep schools. Oh, yeah, there is. So you kind of just have to, like, you're in your own world, basically. So yeah, I guess it's for some people. And it's impressive others. almost that you turn that down because of – all the history at that place, especially, I mean, for a Canadian kid, you see 
Sidney Crosby going to play at Shattuck. Breezy. Breezy. See, Taves, they all yeah. did a year at Shattuck, and everyone's like, wow, this place is yeah. crazy. It's amazing. And I don't know how good it still is. I'm sure it's still good. I'm yeah. sure it's still great. But, like, the history behind it, from a small-town Canadian kid, I'd say 99% would be like, heck, yeah, if they offer me a spot, I'm going 100%. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about me, though. I never wanted to make it to the NHL. Hmm. That was never, really? that was never my goal. I remember like kids, like coaches would ask like, Oh, what's your goal? Big goal. Like <laughs> I want to be an NHL player. And I actually never wanted to play to like, I wanted to play comp- uh, I was going to say WHL and college were always my goal. Yeah. And I didn't care if I was playing in the NHL or not, which is probably actually bad to say that's why i stopped at college because even if i wanted to play in the nhl i don't think i would have anyway right (laughs) but uh that was where i was satisfied for sure so my goal through you know junior and stuff was just i wanted to play college and i knew once i got there then i didn't like i didn't enjoy it enough where i thought i would be like i want to do this as a job um and actually with shattuck i was also kind of friends with emma talking to emma at the time oh, and that that scared me too the fact that year one that was a, probably year one close to or going into year one dang year or, zero yeah it was year zero and i i remember just thinking of that was like a small percentage of also why i didn't want to leave winkler either well, we're glad you didn't which didn't is a leave. crazy thing at that age to even like have something mm-hmm. hold you back like that but yeah it's a good thought to have i guess now turned out yeah so crazy i was you you brought up that the nhl was never your ultimate end goal did you have one at that age outside of hockey did you have any goal that you wanted to like attain or dream yeah i don't that's a good question i think that at that age the dream and the goal was just college like i actually don't think i thought past the the years past that um, I would say gym and fitness, if I remember correctly, could have been what the goal past that would have been, would it be, uh, training like NHL players getting involved with being, uh, maybe on an NHL team for like the fitness side of it. Because once I got to the level of like training seriously for hockey in the gym, I would drive into Winnipeg an hour and a half, three times a week to work out. So me and a, my me and like um, one of my old teammates Tyler Jeanson, he was playing uh, for Portage Terriers. He played college as well, so we kind of had the same hockey path. And he was my gym buddy. And I remember driving into Winnipeg. Yeah, and it was an hour and a half to get to the gym, an hour and a half home. <laughs> and we did that three times a week, sometimes oh. four times a week. Uh, plus, we skated in the city. So when I was doing that. I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed like the level of training that I got from the people out there too. Richard Burr um, at the rink. And then I was like, okay, I wanted to kind of do that. Or I wanted to bring that to Winkler actually was a little thing because it, it didn't exist. And I had to drive so far to get there. And it was like, oh, if this was in Winkler, that would be kind of, kind of nice to do. Mm-hmm. And you actually did start your own little training group in Winkler. For, yeah. I don't know how old those kids were, but... Uh, like was that 13. two summers, three summers? Yeah, I did that for like three three summers. It was just my own thing where I had 15 clients-ish, wow. 10 to 15. 
I'd have like three or four that were in the junior level, one guy in the dub, and then there was like a group of ten that were you know fourteen years old that I did in a group. So this is for workouts or skis? Workouts, just just workouts. <clears throat> yeah, that was where I started the the training thing. And I actually trained before that. I'd train my cousins. I would train friends, parents in the Winkler Flyers gym. <laughs> and I remember I would get up at uh, like five to work out with them at six before they'd have to go work at like the farm. But Dang, I really, you. I did really enjoy being in training, like doing that for them in a way. Um, which is why I like actually would wake up that early to go and do that when I was 15 or 16 years old. Was yeah. that your first uh, taste of being a leader? Is that you, cause the leader here with THG back then was that your first taste of leading something being the the head yeah I would say I would say that was the first time that was maybe the only time actually where I was confident to talk to people that way too where I never did that in like a hockey dressing room ever but in the gym when I even in flyers when I was like the team's trainer that's where I felt confident of oh i can instruct 10 people through a workout and speak in front of them that way because i feel like i have like the rights and the knowledge to in a way where it was a little differently and yeah i think you're right where that probably started off the the leadership side of it yeah i think uh even right when i came into winkler and we started hanging out everyone you were actually an assistant captain that year as a 19 year old and I remember that you were maybe one of one of two or three players that would consistently go to the gym after practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was not included in that list. But I remember that you would always, you'd pack a lunch, you'd go to the gym after, and a couple sandwiches. everyone else would head over to Tim Hortons for lunch and go home and play video games. Yeah. I didn't understand that either when in junior of how I was the rare one that liked to go to the gym after practice. And the 20, 19 and 20 year olds just did not do mm -hmm. that. But I think that ties in because I did have that future goal of that. I'm going to work out because I like it, but I also know I have to because I don't want it to end at junior. I'm trying mm -hmm. to make it to college and go to college um, and do all of that. So obviously I'm going to work out and maybe put more of an effort into it with yeah. the rest of my day. I think you were a level above people when it came to that. <laughs> Realize how important that maybe extra 45 minutes in the gym after practice could benefit you in the long mm -hmm. term. Yeah. And I think that that's a big reason why, uh, was a better or why I even made it that far too, is I don't think I would have got there from just skill, but the hours I spent even doing like s skating training, like doing the training to get stronger and faster in the gym was why I was actually a good skater, I think. And, faster on the ice and and that stuff because i knew at that level i probably took it more seriously than 90 percent of people so without that definitely would not have gotten to play division one that was kind of the time too i remember you were the first person to ever really in front of me play with a gopro oh um, come on and hang around yeah. and just make not, not maybe not as much as I was gonna say the yelling, not in a game. Okay, not in a game. Not I thought you were gonna say a game. 
But I remember he would bring the GoPro every once in a while after practice oh. on the ice, just when we had we just messing around after yeah. or yeah. different things when we go to the farm. Or I think you, I don't know if that's when you got the drone, but you'd play with that a little bit. And that's really the first taste I ever got of Lawson putting a camera in my face. Yeah, that's funny because that was so long ago, like a long time ago. I think the first video I had to make with that thing was because our teammate, like Nico, had a school project and he needed a video to be made. So I brought the GoPro to the rink and then I filmed it for him. And then I had to edit for him and he got an A. Like he got an A on his project. It's a funny video too, because I interviewed the billets, interviewed like him and at his billet house and we made it a little documentary. That's sweet. It was, he was, it was so fun to make because we were like, this is sick. It was a him walking onto the, uh, to the ice with like, a Pompeii song or something <laughs> like that. Of, yeah. Yeah. And so was, this was the first taste and of I, content. I think that was the first official video I ever edited and made. Wow. Maybe there was a travel video before that. I can't really remember, but I think that was it. And then after that, I would bring it, like Will said, to practice. And the reason I brought it to practice is because um, I would film sometimes like my stride and I'd film some other guy's strides so I could slow it down and kind of see why your strides better than theirs. No, no. Why? Well, yeah. <laughs> trying to see what the best skater, I always filmed like a really good skater and tried to analyze like, what is he doing when he's crossing over? Cause it looked so smooth. And that's, that's kind of why level. I brought it to practice. That's sweet. That is actually Very, sweet. Uh, like, uh, yeah, film. I'm pretty yeah. sure you made a, uh, a bender week video too out at the farm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a short like drone one. I remember that. Really? Yeah, I did. Did you have any social media platforms in like a YouTube or anything? I figured out how to post it to YouTube privately unlisted so that only with the link. So you still have that link? I think, I think I have that video still. Yeah. I probably do. Dang. Might have to resurface that. Yeah. I definitely, I watched it recently where I think I do have that link. For that video, but I have a handful of videos privately made from probably 2016 or 15. Jeez, um, that I posted on YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah. So when? So this is, I guess, might have been before college or during. But have you had any major injuries playing hockey? Plenty, (laughs) plenty of major injuries. Can't you tell? Oh, I witnessed. (laughs) I witnessed a really bad one. I think I. Oh, I didn't even saying this. Yeah, that one's even like it's that that is a bad one, but that's like the low key one too that I forgot about, which is funny. What's had some even worse ones? It all started. My first big injury all started. um, Well, I did have a concussion when I was like really young. Before, I think that was even before uh, bantam hockey. Was skating down an ice hill, like. (laughs) It was like a little ice hill down it, and I tried to stop, and it's an angle, right? So then I kept going, hit my head. Oh, Got a concussion, first concussion. Um, Probably the worst one was in eighth grade. We were playing hockey outside, ball hockey. There's this one kid that, well, first off, I'm the only one that plays actual hockey outside (laughs) of ball hockey in eighth grade, so I was like long shot the best player mm-hmm. out there that could do whatever he wanted to do and there's a guy younger than me that i'd always take the ball away from him you know i'd piss him off and i'd love it make me feel good um he could never get it from me 
So this went on for probably a month or so. Every time we played, I knew I could get under his skin. So one day we were playing outside. Is this during school? Yeah, during school. Yeah, during like recess. Mm -hmm. So I have never heard of anyone play ball hockey at recess. Yeah, that's sweet. We did. That's Canadian for you. I've never heard that either. Well, we had like they would give us the plastic sticks. The, it was like a yeah, wooden. We, we played in gym a, class. A wooden with those stick. crap sticks. I yeah. know what you're talking about. And the plastic blade. Bend the blade. So every like, now and then, like rubber. Almost. Yeah, every now and then they'd give them out for for recess. Mm. And uh, so the one day playing, and I think I got the ball from him, and then he was ahead of me running, and I was behind him. I don't think any of us had the ball even either. And he takes a stick, and he goes like that backwards because oh. he knew i was behind him and he hits me right in the teeth oh. and uh oh. right up here teeth like knocks out my tooth i have a photo of it um knocked me out a little what? bit it hit me that hard that i like was like all of a sudden stunned. on my knees like stunned big time stunned and uh <laughs> broke a fractured a bone up here oh, in geez. my uh on my mouth <laughs> and then i had to go right to Altona. They had to stick my tooth back in to try to save it. And root. Yeah. And then that caused, uh, and then I think I went to Winnipeg right after that, but that caused three root canals later. Um, yeah, a lot of dental work, tons and tons of dental work after that. Um, still might have to get a fake tooth eventually, but didn't at the moment, they all kind of stayed in there, but had a lot of caps and, yeah, the root canal sucked. Um, that bone luckily healed where I didn't have to like get that surgically done or whatever. But that was the, the biggest one. That was a bad injury. What and was the next day of school? Go, like, uh, yeah. He ran away. I was going to say, what what happened to the kid? He ran away. What do you mean right away? Like, <laughs> you ever get him back? No, no, like he ran off the school. He just, he didn't stay at school. He like literally ran, he ran to like five miles to his grandma's house, <laughs> something like that. Did you ever confront him on it? Well, it was awkward at that age. It was pretty awkward to like, you don't just, you don't man up and be like, all right, dude, we got to talk, right? Like, <laughs> you don't think about that. It was more we serious where be at center ice. it was more of a serious thing where the principal had to like seriously phone his parents. And yeah. uh, fun fact, I, I don't want to, don't mark my words, but I legit think that this kid that did this wound up in jail now because he brought a shotgun to a gas station what <sighs> sometimes those They're things just check insane. out yeah. yeah no i i again i'm 90 percent sure that that's the same guy but there's been stories now even in the future that he's had problems so jeez that's where it, it all started. started with the high stick you ruined, yeah. mouth. You ruined him man you i might give him the ball I, I know um and then my other injuries um i had a broken collarbone in junior was my first junior injury that was pretty bad um from a hit i got hit into the net so i got hit into the post where i oh. fell forward into the post oh, yeah. and then it my collarbone hit the post then that didn't break it though but it hurt <laughs> and a couple days after I tried doing some push-ups couldn't really do a push-up because it hurt but there was the showcase in winnipeg and this is my first year junior hockey and I had tried out for the uh, the U17, like, under can- Team Canada team. Mm-hmm. And actually, my goal was, like, I wanted to play for a Team Canada team really badly. Uh, so I really wanted to play in the showcase because I knew that they were still scouting kids during the first few games of junior. 
So I went to go play in the showcase, collarbone hurt, playing against OCN. The first time I got hit, it broke like oh. right away. So it was kind of pre-fractured, and then I got hit into the boards. And then as soon as that happened, I was like, "You knew." I knew right away. I was like, "That, that did something that made everything." I couldn't feel it; didn't hurt that bad, but I knew that it was messed up. That I couldn't like move it Dang. too too much. So, so that led to actually no surgery, but it was because it was the alignment was pretty decent. So they said that I didn't need surgery for it, but I was very. I remember driving home after that with my dad from from the rink because it was at the rink in Winnipeg, and then we had to drive to the hospital, and I was just crying because just because I was so mad that I knew that meant like I was done for Team Canada, mm-hmm. was not going to make the team. Like There's no shot. I couldn't even play in it. Um, so I was really bummed out about that. And, uh, and then I actually ended up needing surgery for it because – like it was like may or may not have been because I stepped down. Like I missed steps sometimes like walking down the stairs and I <laughs> legit met, like I'd bump, like I'd drop too much and then it like hurt so oh, bad. It was oh, like, shoot. And I was scared that I did something to it. I couldn't really tell. Um, low key Emma too. One time I think she even, it, it had been after a while, like I was fine. I wasn't like in pain, but I think she like may have pushed me a little bit and then that hurt it too. I was like, don't do that. And then, <laughs> and then turns out I went to the hospital for another checkup and they're like, yeah, you, it got misaligned. So we need to plate it now. Oh. So that's how I got collarbone surgery, Jeez. which is probably a good thing that I got plated now because you know, it's stuck there forever and it's good to go. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was the most major thing that happened. And then I got another concussion in junior um where i got knocked like i didn't remember anything apparently i went into the dressing room for like the third period and i was asking the scratches why they weren't playing tonight <laughs> huh. i was like why aren't you guys playing and they, rub it in their face thanks <laughs> <laughs> <like>, lawson <laughs> yeah and uh and then all of a sudden i woke up in the hospital and they were telling me all this and i don't remember wow. a single hmm. thing that's the crazy. drive was an hour as well don't remember playing the game. Don't Austin's remember warm up. This the whole time. <laughs> Listening to Kygo. Yeah, I went. I went back into the room, got undressed. I think the coach and the team knew that I was out of it, and then I got driven driven all the way to Brandon from Verdon. Don't mm. remember a single thing about the drive, and then I woke up at middle of the night. In the I didn't wake up. I came. My memory came back then, and that's where I was. Dang. Bandaid. Yeah, you're a bandaid. Yeah. Let's get off the injury talk. Yeah. Sorry. Out. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, there was the one uh, my first year in Winkler when uh, in preseason when the guy just two-handed you right in the face for no reason. Is that what he got yeah, knocked out? Bad. That was another yeah bad one. That was bad. Same we thing. We were actually all supposed to go to Lawson's for like a fire or uh-huh. like a barn party because it was still preseason after that game. Obviously, that got canceled because he had to go to the hospital. But Oh, mm-hmm. I was disappointed about that up. one. That's when I had to get. That was the first time I got plastic surgery. Technically, did you ever like kind of question if you wanted to continue playing hockey with all these <laughs> rather major injuries? Oh. <laughs> Knew I loved it still. Let's Knew talk a little it. bit about uh, your D one days. How yeah. did that come through? Um, I know, like it was that year in Winkler when we played together when you were kind of 
weighing options, um, some opportunities were coming to you. And I remember the day when you committed to Omaha and everyone was pretty fired up. We were going on a road trip and it was like this first time that I think you're the only D1 commit at that time on the team. Maybe Juby, but um, yeah. What was that whole experience like and getting to your two years in Omaha? Well, yeah, I also wanted to hear if if there was other offers or anything that went into it too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a long process that, like I said, that was like the main goal that through junior when I got so mad that we lost whatever. And I was always so hard on myself is cause I would like play games and if I played bad and then I'd hear there was a scout from a school, I'd get so mad because that like, I'd be like, I just ruined my chances. Um, so it started when, um, in like the showcase in my a 18 year old year actually, um, or 19 year old year. And then, um, quickly went to uh went to uh Clarkson for a tour so official visit thought that I was going to commit there went for an official visit State there. is Clarkson oh uh, New York mm. New York and uh and then come back home no calls no follow-ups nothing like that which is rare after an official visit when they yeah. invite you that you're like Usually they come back with something. It must have smelled. I don't know, thing. Man. Like I don't actually know what happened. I talked <laughs> to the coach. I talked and then come back and yeah, nothing. So I was bummed about that. And then when the Omaha thing came around, um, I went on a official visit there. And I actually went on an official visit when I was 16 too. Wow. Uh, I went to Omaha on official visit when Dean Blaze was a coach. And uh, in my first year, it might have been 17, 16 or 17, but it was four to commit as a true freshman. Dang. And that was, I remember going there. That was when Jake Ensel was playing there. Hmm. Um, at that, at the moment, I don't think I would have, I don't even know if it meant I would have played with him or not, <laughs> but we went to the old, the, it was an old Baxter or the old arena that they used to play at, in, at Creighton. And uh, yeah, that was like, kind of scary because at the same time i was like geez like i don't know if i could actually play here next year too mm-hmm. i was like i don't like i get that i'm younger in this league but if i would have to play in omaha i was like i don't know if i could actually do it so that ended up falling through and kind like of meant sleepovers to <laughs> and i don't like sleepovers so that that actually ended up falling through a couple of years went by they got a new coaching staff and the same team omaha came to watch showcase reached out to me and i went on another official visit there when they had the new rank and then uh and then yeah they pretty much uh pretty much just uh asked if uh gave me an offer um and then at the time i had cornell as well that also gave me an offer it's kind of like that was probably the hardest decision of my life like easily I, it was something that I debated a very long time because I didn't know what was going to be. There's so different paths. Yeah. And I didn't really know what was the best one to pick because I knew if I, it was one decision that I knew would change my life. I wouldn't be here, wouldn't be with Emma, wouldn't be like, I bet all that could have unfolded. You'd be on Wall Street. Yeah. I could be, be. I literally could, like, I didn't something. know what I would be doing. Like, everything could have changed. And, uh, and that I debated that for a long time. I ended up choosing Omaha though, because I always wanted to play at the Ralph. Um, 
they had more for like exercise science and it's then closer. also it's closer Tristan Keck which was an old teammate was playing there and I knew they're like program wise they're better than Cornell with the facilities and everything that they just conference. had was like brand new in the conference so I did end up choosing that I actually thought it was the wrong I was debating the decision even after I chose it I was really? like oh my goodness what have I done I don't know if I didn't feel right it actually did not feel right huh. which was scary but there's no going back um so that's how I made the jump to go to go there and yeah I played for Omaha for two years then got to live out my biggest dream that I always had that college goal and I think I have to say when I was there I didn't have a goal to play anywhere else didn't have a goal to play in the NHL it was fine I knew that after my four years I'd be done because I like I said I had made it there and I felt that it was good and I was focusing more on school and getting the education at that point um but yeah I have to say the coolest moment was when I got to play at the Ralph the first time the Ralph is uh University of North Dakota's rink yeah which is easily the closest rink to your hometown yeah did you have the whole family there at the game yeah there's probably 40 people from Manitoba did you have the chills walking out oh yeah I had goosebumps I was uh, there ran out there oh you were there too you were there yeah, yeah. me and Batesy went yeah that would yeah, have been sick. there Cause, yeah because that was the arena that made me want to go to play college hockey it was playing there or like playing there for the spring tournament and yeah. seeing how sick it actually was after Lawson committed actually um our coach would always take us to a North Dakota game on like an off weekend and he brought us to the Omaha versus UND game like a week or mm-hmm. I don't know I guess how long it was after you committed mm-hmm. and so we spent the day in Grand Forks toured the Ralph and everything and Lawson's like yeah I'm gonna play here next year. <laughs> like that's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. And we're secretly like, cheering for Omaha, <laughs> yeah. North Dakota. Like Frizz said, that was why I wanted to play there because you grow. I grew up going to those games, and that felt like the coolest thing ever. Playing a game there, and it definitely and it definitely was. And we won that first night, really, which was rare. <laughs> which was rare for Omaha yeah. to come in and beat North Dakota. But I remember getting a actually a decent amount of ice time, and then. Heck yeah. And then we won. And after that, there was like a, a full like uh, mob of people in the hotel that walked <laughs> through to get to our, they were cheering and to get to uh, our post game meal, wow. which was in the top two of my favorite hockey moments. Nice. The other one would be just winning that conference with you guys. Why heck? It was comparable. <laughs> so then what happened after year two? Yeah. That's kind of probably what a lot of people know about is that kind of kick-started the whole, when I say it started like the start of the content journey, it was that um, the tail end of Omaha, I really enjoyed more so making videos and I had the idea to start making videos. So at the end of my sophomore year, uh, we had team meetings at at the rink, year-end meetings with the coach. Season just ended, played a handful of games that year close to every game Hmm. thought it was like fine good to go had a list on my phone of notes that i had talked to my dad about and we wrote a list of okay what am i going to talk to the coach about in this meeting what am i trying to ask about to get better blah 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 and uh i go into the meeting and i just sit down and i say like whatever can i pull up i'm just gonna pull up my phone because i got some things on here to talk about he goes like yeah sure like but um, he like 
he's like he's not very good at bringing things like this up <laughs> it's awkward mm-hmm. he's a little bit awkward and he just goes uh something like we're decided like you're not we don't have a spot for you anymore you're, wow. not, you're not coming back here wow pretty much um definitely i can't remember what it felt like to hear that but it was the biggest like shock of like did that actually is yeah, he actually yeah. serious like did that actually just happen because <laughs> um, i never thought i'd be leaving omaha well yeah that's what happened like when you commit to a school and you go to the school like that's the whole thing like you're there you don't need to worry about a trade uh-huh. or unless you really mess up getting cut but yeah that would have been jeez. Mm-hmm. so yeah he said and <laughs> oof jeez. i mean <laughs> That yeah. blows, man. <laughs> so I, I clicked my phone notes off. We should all we actually. <laughs> so actually, we should all uh, go shake that coach's hand and say thank you. Yeah, we should all go <laughs> send him a letter. <laughs> Thanks for, then, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he, yeah, he that he gave me the talk of, um, bringing in new people, like excuse here, whatever the reasons reasonings were. You're just staring. And uh, <laughs> I think actually when he said that. I can only imagine how hard it was for there's three coaches in the room, yeah. everyone, but he was the one having to lead the the way. He was the head coach. I think I started crying right there in the room wow. too. It was such a big shock that uh this yeah, twenty year old college player just sitting across from him just was like, I remember crying. I remember actually taking his handkerchief or towel or something <laughs> to <laughs> I I legit remember like <laughs> I remember taking something off his desk or some kind of like thing that he had to like wipe my tears and blow my nose and this is, this is mine now. <laughs> and I, yeah, he didn't want it back. I actually was like, I re- yeah, it. I just Sorry. kept it. Um, so I walked out of there. Yeah, that was just crazy. That was very, very. That was the biggest like craziest thing that's probably ever happened. Yeah. Um, so what were the next few months like? Um, the next few months were... What, so this, was this right after the season? Yeah. So you finished the school year there? Yeah. And then it was like, what's next? The next thing was just trying to find out where to go play hockey next, really. It was debating. It was trying to find another D1 school to transfer to. Only thing that came up was Alaska. Thought about that for a while. That was also a very hard decision, too. Mm-hmm. Debated that. Talked to D3 schools. Had a handful that were talking to me and at the end of the day talked to that's when I just talked to Batesy and talked to you and felt like weighed the decision of you guys and Manitoba University of Manitoba that was a the weighing thing and I actually toured U of M and from that tour I felt like I didn't really want to go there oh yeah no (laughs) and uh and I was like yeah I was like okay I actually really think that the last two years of my college career playing with will which was a top favorite teammate i've ever played with and then batesy and the things that they those guys said about uh uws was really intriguing and it was closer to home relatively cheap didn't have to travel with alaska and do all the craziness of that and i again like why would I play for Alaska if my goal wasn't to play in the whatever anyway? So mm-hmm. it was just that decision of I wanted to have fun and hopefully win, be on a winning team. That's pretty impressive because I think a lot of people who get cut from D1, I've had a handful of friends who got cut from D1, maybe on bad luck, but they're, it's kind of like almost an ego thing where it's like, 
I, I deserve to be D1. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm here. Like, mm-hmm. I did it. Why would I ever go D3? Like, that's such a step down. And they would just be like, I'll go to literally any school, whether it's Alaska or yeah. somewhere worse than Alaska. Like, it's just yeah. that. I don't know if it's an ego thing or it's like I deserve to be D1. And I, if I go D3, it's almost like I failed. But the fact that you had that goal and you didn't really care about, like, you just wanted to enjoy your last two years of playing hockey, I think that shows a lot about you. Yeah, I think I, I get what you mean, though, by the ego thing. I think there was a, there was that, and that's why Alaska maybe was hard. And I think that was the only reason why I was trying to right. – convince myself that i should go to alaska because i think that's where the ego thing came in of that oh i can because you can say you're still playing d1 like that mm-hmm. that was actually a weighing in factor which shouldn't have been anything to it but i think yeah you're right a lot of people try to go anywhere just because it is d1 when at the end of the day it's not going to make a difference if uh and to be honest i would could care less that to tell someone now right that i played it really doesn't matter it's funny now like at the end of the day when you're done playing college hockey it has no matter to it and no one cares yeah i will say we have about a 10 minute cut off here so we're gonna have we're gonna fire these Uh, we can go a little bit longer okay but um yeah so obviously when you got to uws you started ramping up your filming from tiktoks to youtube and stuff like that did you feel like i mean i guess it ended up being like this but did you feel like having the guys around you and having a little bit more um freedom helped make you uh film a lot more and kind of get into it more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think the the being in the d3 and having you guys there not in the cocky way but i felt like i was more of someone that wasn't scared of people's opinion and judgment because I'm not now like this guy in D1 that has these NHL players that are the trying to go to the NHL yeah. and they're hardos and they're like all strict about whether I bring a camera in the room. Cause I had the idea then I was just way too scared to make it come to happen. But when I was here, you guys are going to let me do things. Maybe I can get away with a little bit more because I'm more of a leader in D3 on, on the team. I'm older. First of all, I'm a junior, not a freshman anymore. And I can set more of an example of like doing something like that. So that helped a lot. And that was why I just wanted to start and do it. Wasn't as scared of judgment as well as I actually sucked at talking to the I sucked at talking in general. Like if you look at my earlier videos, got really, uh, really bad in front of the camera. And that actually made me really mad. Um, kind of hard i'm always like hard on myself that way so i was like i was mad that i was that bad at doing stuff (laughs) like that so i knew too okay i can start if i start vlogging and i start practicing and putting this thing in front of my face all the time then i'll get better at that too um and the fact that you i knew will and batesy made it so much easier to bring the camera in and i was definitely scared though like i didn't like bringing it in front of you guys right at the beginning like into the room, I tried to hide it and I tried to not be weird about it and as low key as possible until you kind of get the first few videos out there and then you get more comfortable. Chucky Slick. Was the first video, like first vlog, just the house tours? The old ones? The first, the very first one was the, um, 
road trip this is my morning road trip was number two or number three that was a fun the road trip one the road trip one was the one that moved the needle to being like okay this is we're full like we're good to go now yeah that was great because it was a 20-hour bus ride (laughs) yeah you're on the bus and you're like yeah pennsylvania may as well film it yeah that was when we went to detroit and pittsburgh oh yeah yeah and i remember rooming with will too (laughs) and i remember that was the first time where i'd actually bring it out and talk to the camera in front of him yeah which felt really weird I remember bringing it in front of the mirror <laughs> and I got him to say something. I said something after a game. The very first time we like would talk to a camera in front of someone, that was probably it. I'm going to have to watch that today. Which yeah. felt a little bit awkward. It was a little scary. <laughs> did, uh, Don't judge me. Did you have any goals when you first came to Superior and dove deeper into making content? Did you have any goals where you wanted to take it? Um, I think that... The goal was really just to, uh, I think like a number goal was like, oh, 100,000 subscribers. Like I wanted a YouTube plaque. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a really a true, true goal besides in general, like um, become like get a bunch of followers or, you know, try to do this full time, um, something like that. In general, though. I was enjoying the fact that I could just make content and that I had at the time a thousand subscribers. And then I was enjoying it that I could do it and have 5,000 and then 10,000. So it was just enjoying it along the way that I could do that for a group of people. And it was enough to make me want to continue to do it without having to have a huge end goal because I really did like to do it. And the fact that people could watch meant that I could do it for a valid reason, I mm-hmm. guess. And uh, so when the hockey guys started, would you say, like, when you were playing and at the rink, your mind was somewhere else, perhaps? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Bit of a editing addiction. <laughs> so that was been your senior year, Yelly and I junior year, mm-hmm. and Frizz's sophomore year, which was also the COVID year. Yeah. Yes, definitely senior year. I yeah, senior year was when I knew I was done hockey because <laughs> um, at the time the THG stuff started and everything. Then I would go to the rink on the bus. I would edit on the way to the game, or I'd listen to a podcast that had to do with like content, whatever. And by the time I was like done the ice, like I was just looking forward to getting to get back on the bus so that I could like work back on like a video. Or do something like that. Come on, Riff, let's speed this game up. Like, I was more excited for the side of that after the game I could check my phone or see, like, a video that we posted, how it was doing, and all of that than I was for playing the game. You probably loved the... you probably loved the away games on Saturday night, so we so uh, we didn't get to go out after. You just got to go on the bus all the way home, and then it was right to bed and wake up, get back at it. Uh, yeah, no, I still enjoyed. I I enjoyed still that that other side of hockey and doing that with you guys. But yeah, I definitely did not look forward to playing as much anymore. I knew my passion was just mm-hmm. this is going well. The ball, I. Because I finally, after a year, it took like a year to get the ball rolling Mm -hmm. with something. So when I finally had the ball rolling, it was that, okay, I just put a year of learning how to edit, watching YouTube videos, teaching myself, how do I do all these things? 
And then senior year when the ball was finally rolling, there was nothing that I would do. Like everything, because I remember thinking the first year, if I had the ball rolling, like that's the goal. And once that happened, I would do anything to keep it going. So once I was like, all right, I did it. I finally have something rolling. I would wake up at 6 a.m. I would do anything. I would edit till two, like whatever it was on the bus, because that was what I had been trying to do for so long. And it was really fun. It was no friction. It was just true enjoyment. Got to get up early to do it. It was, um, it was just really cool to finally have people like watching stuff. Yeah. And then you graduated UWS and decided to take your master's just across the bridge in Duluth. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, you guys probably know why. Some, <laughs> we some know part, why. Some part of the why, at least, was uh, it, it was actually, yeah, a main reason and every year this has happened is just the scary reason of like, okay, is it every year you got to make a decision here of what's going to happen next? Are you going to be, I'm done college. You guys are still playing. Am I going to be going home? Am I leaving? Am I going somewhere else? How does this continue? Um, so I was trying to think of ways that I could do what I wanted to do in Gotta life. Beat the system yeah and try to figure out how can we i've just saw so much potential with what we were you guys were going into your senior year um with the hockey guys and stuff and i tried to just find a way that would make sense for me to stick around and i found a one-year master's program at scholastica that related to like my degree so uh, getting a master's in one year itself is beneficial i guess you know it's obviously a good sped up program that if even the thc stuff failed then i'd at least have a master's too yeah so that was a like a you know that kind of guided my decision of why i decided to do that and i'm very glad like it was a scarier risk probably also a reason of why i tried to work so hard too because i had a lot it was a big commitment it was a big risk it was another year of like you know long distance with Emma and to me that type of a fire that type of a a commitment makes me be like I have no other option than to put everything I have into this because I just threw everything on the line so if I'm gonna like half do a half job on like THG now it was just a waste in general so I think that to me was the reason why a big reason why I did the masters and why I tried so hard to keep do whatever we can to like make the hockey guys a thing why well, i care so much why well, i get mad at you stuff did you nice. uh <laughs> do you have any uncertainty in that post or that master's year yeah for sure definitely especially at the end when you guys were graduating that was a hard <laughs> that summer. was the scariest part of the whole entire thing was like near the end of definitely have vivid memories especially because every week or every moment when someone would ask what's next what are you guys doing next what's happening everyone would ask that i know it was tough um yeah the master's year was like probably the hardest year every time too i was like oh this year is going to get easier it's going to get easier it always like even this past year wasn't easy so i realized too during this it's you always think the next year is going to be easier but something different just comes Mm -hmm. masters and covid year though was death that was like (laughs) terrible because i was battling the whole COVID thing at first and trying to find ways to even see you guys at the rink 
so it was super hard to film. Secondly, I would have to study and take tests and all these things, and I would not focus in class at all. Like I literally, <laughs> it was the least attention span I ever had in my <laughs> life where I could sit in class and think about what the teacher's saying because there were so many things going in the back of my head with the group and emails that would come in and content ideas and things, I'll, other TikTok things I had sounds. to do. And there was times where something would happen, I remember, and I'd go into like a lab to do my like cadavers and stuff. And I'd have actually horrible anxiety because I couldn't look at my phone. And I knew that there was like a bad thing that had happened. For example, just maybe it's a big meeting that I have immediately after with the NHL trying to line something up. Maybe it was like a brand deal thing, but I, I was just like, I couldn't think, I didn't even want to be there because I had to deal with something else after. Um, so I think that's what made it hard. And then studying for tests was very hard because I couldn't <laughs> focus. I couldn't like think after at the yeah, end of the day. That would have been tough. And then every day I had to drive home too. And then we'd meet up. This was when you guys were done hockey, but drive home from class. I had like 30 minutes, plan content ideas, think of content ideas. You guys would all come to my place, have something to go, film it, and then. Yeah, we had it really easy that spring. <laughs> we were seniors. Classes were easy. Hockey was done. And then you were still taking your masters and you were just nonstop grinding. And then we would all meet up and it'd be like, yeah, just another great day. Well, I honestly don't think most of us noticed how like hard mm -hmm. you were actually working. Like we kind of heard like, or saw like if you'd post a video or some stories about how long your day was and how busy you were, but not the actual true effects of what was going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what you guys thought maybe at the end of the day, but yeah, I don't know. I that think spring I, is when I think all of our real passion and love for it mm -hmm. really came. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think my goal always too, was to try to find ways that everyone would th feel that way, like think about it or like give things so that maybe you would, I don't know, get to the certain level or something like that. Cause I don't think, I think it's a, uh, something has to do with the fact that I like creating content and that was our main thing that we did. And that was the main thing I could do versus how do you split that up with 10 people anyway? Mm, it's hard. Uh, so trying to, yeah, find what can Yelly do that he could really fall in love with and, and so on. It's funny you say that since we still have those meetings. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. yesterday, like yesterday we had one. Yeah. We just talk about, different avenues that someone wants to go um continuing to keep it fun but productive and yeah it's it's crazy how much it has changed since that spring mm -hmm. yeah and but nothing is more just, it's so fun enjoyable now to to be where like wow i'm so glad to see where we're at now where cuddy can ha everyone can handle the podcast i don't even have to think about it mm -hmm. and it's so cool to see how how much we've uh progressed since since college in that in that way and that makes me pumped to see um do you guys remember the the like little meeting that i had with you you and cuddy going into senior year in september that particularly at, at my apartment maybe yeah i mean i don't remember the meeting specifically but i bet if you say what we talked about um, i would imagine it was uh it was um was it after the stupid birthday video yeah no it was uh 
Oh, it was the next year. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. before your senior year. It was yeah. when I, that was to me, because uh, it was a meeting that I had with Will, Cuddy, and Yelly. And uh, I think it was after, t- <laughs> I think this was after, and I was like, this was maybe a moment when I remember like being pretty mad. It was <laughs> when uh, we were trying to meet up Barker's. It didn't like, and I think like Cuddy like didn't show up or like he did something or what, he was probably at like Aces or something and he didn't come or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to throw Cuddy on the bus if that was the reason or not. I don't know. He might have maybe even just came late. But I was like, dude, like we're committed to coming here. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Plays back into the reason of why I had a lot on the, like felt like I had a lot on the line and it scared me that like someone wasn't showing up and then had that meeting after that. And I think I just remember talking to you guys and being like, like, I'm really serious. Like we need to, like I need everyone to be bought in this year or else uh, like it's going to be uh, like, I just wanted to like get back on the same page with you three and be like, are we, this is one year where I can film you guys here in college. Like we just have to do everything we can to make everything that we got actually happen or else uh, that was like a big deal. Yeah. Well, if we didn't have that meeting, then we wouldn't even be able to ask you what your top three THG moments are. Exactly. And make them quick. Yeah, you're right. I got You got a flight to catch. I know. <laughs> it's 920. Yeah, dude, you're like to... six minutes past your <laughs> cutoff time that you pushed back already. <laughs> yeah. We should really have extended these uh, interviews to hour and a half or two hours. But How much has this been going? Hour and 15. Top three, top three THG moments. Number one. Um, the 1 million followers one. Yeah. So when we, number one would be, yeah, when we hit a million followers and uh, I threw a little party. That was great. You guys had a road game. I went and got balloons. Champagne. Yep. <laughs> some some beers. Some Were champagne. we on the road? Yep. Yeah, yeah, you were on the road and you came back and I was, I played the Millie and I was the DJ <laughs> behind the <laughs> thing. The, the yeah. lights, the lights. I remember the, the party. videos of that. I, it's funny. <laughs> I remember the party. But I have no clue who or where we played. Before. I remember <laughs> it was like a very good time. It was like an earlier game because we didn't get back at like midnight. That's right. It was like, yeah. like yeah. 10, 30, 11. It's North one. Yeah. Makes um, sense. That was unreal. Um, actually, the moment of seeing it happen when we were on the coach till 2 a.m. Yeah. It finally happened. When we started TikTok, that was like my main goal. The thing that I was like, if we can get to a million followers when we were starting the hockey guys and when we were there, like, <laughs> How cool will that be? And we did that. So did you sleep that night? That was very cool. Were you too excited? I mean, I was pumped. I slept, but yeah, we were up late. I was pumped. How about uh, the uh-huh. balloons? The guy asked why you got a one million balloon. No, he said you must be turning pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumb joke. Um, number two. Number two. Uh, actually, I think that right in the beginning of when we were doing the first 10 to 20 videos was one of my favorite moments of like the group's era. It was really fun. It was just more, very exciting, very new. We go on TikTok live and those memories itself were a very, very fun time. Shaving Cuddy's mustache on live. You know, we'd post a, the was at our kitchen table. Everyone would go to the comments for the next yeah. hour as soon as the video was up. It's and just so much fun. Through Dude, the comments. Most of the lives are on Cuddy's bed too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We always did it in Cuddy's room. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just so much fun. To, that, That's when we that got to a thousand, thousand people. Like plus a thousand plus. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I think number three is Spring Break Tour, but specifically the moment when we were on that shuttle going to the Islanders rink. Because in New York, it was very fun. And maybe even after the game, going to back to the New York City from Long Island after that first game, to me was the peak of that trip where it felt very like it was a memory that stuck more of like that because there was like more feelings and yeah, excitement I in feeling that after for sure the first was, game right yeah yeah the first game the first time we did something away airport uh, to ubs arena yeah that yep. that was so fun and exciting even though i was super sick you yeah were you sick. were sick you and johnny, you and johnny were fully. sick yeah that's the top three right there nice that's great great interview yeah, man. yeah. no other Killed rapid it. fire ones I had one lined up. Just ask it quickly. How would you describe yourself today? Oh, my. That's not a quick answer. Do it as quick <laughs> as you can because it's a lot different than how you describe your childhood, I'd imagine. Um, uh, I describe myself with, uh, oh, man, this is a difficult. His legs start shaking. I know. He's going crazy. I'm trying to think. It's my thinking thing. Probably more passionate than I was as a kid. Um, I think now I enjoy learning more than I ever have. And I enjoy um, uncomfortable and challenging and doing hard things more than, a, more than I was a kid. So I don't know. I think I just describe myself with those qualities and... Uh, Yeah, just caring more about um, business and doing things that I enjoy doing in life that make me happy. But nice, nice answer. It's not a good way to describe myself. Those are just the thoughts that came out. Good job. Thanks. I like it. Thank you. I yeah. agree. Okay. A husband. Yeah. yeah. PSA. That's late for yeah. his flight to Nice. You know, everyone already <laughs> knows you are. Recently married, you're about to go on your honeymoon, and we're super excited for you because it might be a literally a lifetime memory trip, or it will be, 100%. Especially you've never been to Europe. Um, so yeah, let's get you on your flight, man. Let's do it. Yep. Well, thank you guys for the interview, and it was a lot of fun. Could have talked for longer, but it's all good. Yep. Next time. Next in true Lawson fashion, we squeeze an interview in right before he has to go to the airport. <laughs> we'll definitely yeah. do a uh, honeymoon recap episode. I think there'd be yeah, some pretty definitely. cool stories. I think we'll bring Emma in for that one. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. If you guys want to, let's do it. We want to ask her <laughs> about how you are as a travel companion. Yeah. Yes. Look at he's out of here. Look at he's out. Have a good flight, buddy. Enjoy Europe. See you, Lawson. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Sign us out, Lawson. You can grab it when you come back. He's gone. All right. Well, well yeah. Good job, fellas. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go party. He's gone. The boss is gone. We're free. <laughs> We're heading hitting the golf course. And uh, thank you all for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed this little series of all, all of our personal interviews. That's it, hey? Mm-hmm. That was five of five. Wow. And I think that... Uh, I know we had a lot of fun doing it, mm-hmm. diving a little deeper. We don't really center people out too often, so it's nice mm-hmm. to 
let everyone share their full story, have some fun with it. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, share with a friend. And if you need to learn more about Lawson, shoot him a DM. He's very good at getting back to you. But maybe wait a little bit because he's on his honeymoon. Let him enjoy it. Thank you again. And Lozzie, he's gone. Cuddy's gone. Someone sign us out. Peace. Adios. See ya.